0: Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy.
1: All right, so this is Jen Card, and she Thanks. completed a master's degree
0: in theology from St. Mary's Seminary and Graduate School of Theology in Wycliffe, Ohio, and a certification from the Theology of the Body Institute. Um, she and her husband Frank have been married for 24 years. Is that still yeah. Okay. And have six Close children. <laughs> she
1: currently works as a pastoral associate associate at the Immaculate Heart of Mary Church in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. Yay! So thank you. So we welcome you. her here today. Thank you so much. So You're welcome. So um, it's even interesting to hear that introduction. I'm looking around. Mary Beth uh, Jacobs is here, and I've known her since she was in high school. And when I think back to when I was first introduced to Theology of the Body, it was actually because I was a volunteer youth minister at St. Mary's in Hudson, where she was a teen. And I got to this point where I realized that I had more questions than answers about the faith myself. And the beauty of working with teenagers is that they can see right through you, right? <laughs> and I knew that I couldn't try to get up there and share the truths of the faith if I wasn't living them or at least trying to live them myself. So I went to our associate pastor, Father Damien Ference. Any of you guys know Father Damien? Yeah. Okay, good. He's a good friend of mine. In fact, he came, became a good friend of mine back then. This was in 2004, 2005. He was newly ordained. And I went to him with big tears in my eyes and my long list of church teachings that I disagreed with. And I said, I need to quit Life Teen Core. It's crazy how it still kind of brings me to tears because of what a defining moment it was in my life. So uh, he looked at me and he said, Jen, Christianity is not about getting all your ducks in a row and then joining. He said, Christianity is a journey. He said, if you're willing, I'll walk with you. Then he started giving me books and articles on uh, different topics of the faith to try to explain answers to my questions. And he turned me on to this teaching called theology of the body. And as I started listening to those CDs, I remember thinking to myself, I'm hearing something for the first time that I've always known to be true. Have you had that experience? And it was just so deep in me. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. This is like what I've been looking for. And it so transformed my life that Father Damien got me a scholarship and sent me away to the Theology of the Body Institute. I took my first class in 2005 when I was very pregnant with my now 13 year old. And I went with a couple priests in the diocese. You might know Father Ryan Mann. You guys know Father Ryan? and. Um, uh, Father Ryan Kubera, some of you might know Father Ryan. Anyway, so we we sat there. They were just seminarians at the time, and um, it ended up completely changing kind of the trajectory of my life because I went from, you know, being a, a stay-at-home mom and my husband's like, well, we, we have six children uh, ages 24 down to 13, uh, and he's like, you know, you can't stay a volunteer forever. <laughs> we got to put these six kids through school, and instead of going back to engineering... I did the next most logical thing, which was just get a master's in theology, right? (laughs) So I finished my master's in theology in 2014. When I first started teaching theology of the body back before I was like, kind of got all this education, I would teach it. And I would kind of almost more apologetically. Like, I know you guys have a lot of issues with the church. I know you guys have questions. I had questions. I'm not sure why it's true, but here it is. And I've, in my own experience, I found it to be true, but it's a long road. So if you have any issues with church teachings, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you in that. And I just applaud you for coming to something like this where, you know, most people, most Catholics that are going to give you a list of church teachings that they disagree with, we're going to cover them. <laughs> so buckle up. <laughs> uh, but again, the, the beauty of the Catholic faith is that it makes sense. It really is very, very consistent. And when I took my list of the disagreements and then I started to learn, I'm like, ah, look at that. There's some consistency there and it make, it's logical. There's a flow to that. And then in addition to me uh, going on this intellectual journey, it was an incredible journey of the heart. And uh, that is especially important as you learn the theology body. So Beautiful that we started with prayer. We're going to pray throughout um, our time together today. Um, So just to begin, I thought we'd do something fun because Valentine's Day is coming up. Yeah. So I I thought I'd kind of get your creative juices flowing. Do you guys know Jim Gaffigan? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just realizing as I'm searching for this, we never did a test. So I really hope the sound works, but if you haven't seen this, this is the card I got. Is this funny? Uh,
2: this is the card. For what? For G. For what? For Valentine's Day.
1: Do you it Too loud?
2: G. Is it two N's or... It's I-E. No, it's... It's, it's not a G. No. It's, uh, is that okay? No, I can't get this right. Do <laughs> I'll never forget the moment we first met. I thought, he is so arrogant. (laughs) The first time I laid eyes on you, I thought, here's a woman out of my league, but I'm feeling overconfident. My favorite things about you are your ability to make me laugh in the most ridiculous situations. You make me a less monstrous human being. Parenting with you is an amazing adventure. Parenting with you is just like when David Beckham parents with that Spice Girl. Your scent reminds me of marshmallows, and I love marshmallows. Your scent reminds me of bratwurst. I love it when you agree with me. I love you when you're not yelling. Without you, I would be less sleep-deprived,
0: single, and at peace.
2: Without you, I would be, ironically, I would be Wendy Williams. That's the (laughs) weird thing, because I know that. You make me a better housekeeper by giving me so much opportunity to practice. You make me a better, messy person, because I can do it easier I love you because you always leave little tokens of your affection for me around the house like your dirty socks I love it when you pick up my socks you are sexiest when you're covered and spit up you're sexiest when you pick up my socks thank you for putting up with my compulsive organizing thanks for putting up with my perfection
0: love your life your writing partner partner in parenting, partner in crime genie.
2: love G- How do you spell J-I. <laughs> no, it's G-Y. No, that's the thing that I don't go
1: to. <laughs> don't I'll check on this. So I have another handout. So um, I actually prepared like a little fun thing for uh, each of you to fill out. Okay. So was it fun, fun to do? It's so fun to like take a moment to do something where you actually just kind of like talk about each other and what you, you, know, what you love about each other, um, what's funny about each other. I know just yesterday I was uh, in the one room and my husband was in the other room and I hear this splat and then I hear, oh crap. <laughs> and I'm like, honey, I'm like, what happened? And, I, and he's like, I dropped the whole container of salsa. And I, what do I do? I grab the paper towels, right? Right. And I go running in there, and I look down, what's he holding? (laughs) A spoon. (laughs) And then he got the chips. And I'm like, seriously? (laughs) But then I thought about it, I'm like, I wouldn't have expected anything different, (laughs) knowing my husband. He loves food. He loves to eat. Um, So anyways, it's just fun to remember the fun things. Because marriage is hard. Anyway, everyone agree? Marriage is hard. It's challenging. And, and yet, it's so fun and joyful. So actually, let's just go ahead and pray again. Because that was a fun thing to do as a couple. I'm going to ask you to join hands. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, now join hands. Sorry. <laughs> Come, Holy Spirit. I just I'd ask you to... Um, in a very special way today, Lord, pour forth your graces upon these couples. Marriage is very challenging. It's always has been, and I feel like especially today in this culture, there are specific difficult things that make it um, even more challenging. So we're here today, Lord, because we love you and we trust you. And we know that you are the answer to all of the longings of our heart. Whatever struggles we're facing, Lord, as couples, um, I ask you to help us to see these issues as you see them so that we can see a way through them and both of us can grow closer to you and in growing closer to you, we can live the fruitful marriage that you desire for us. And let's pray together. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. So, who are my John Paul II fans out there? Yay! And who has already studied Theology of the Body? Some people? You guys have a little bit. Okay, so you guys can keep me honest. If I miss anything or misspeak, you can please fill in and, and correct me, but here is theology of the body. ta-da! So I have to do this. Oh, I have to, well, I get, I get half of this this week and half of this next week or two, in two weeks, right? We're coming back together in two weeks. So as you can see, it's challenging to figure out what exactly to share so that I can give you enough to, to hold on to, but not, Give you too much that it you know just can't take any of it in in one sitting. So I'm going to try to do my best at that. So John Paul II, uh, you have a hand out there. He actually delivered theology to body verbally in 129 talks between 1979 and 1984, and it can be described as a biblical reflection on the meaning of being a human human being. Okay, so. Every, I think there's like a thousand scriptures quotes in the theology of the body. And so every one of his reflections, he uses the words of Christ to enter into that reflection. The thesis statement of the theology body, I included as bullet point number one on your, number three on your handout there. So if I say to you, you know, theology of the body, what do you think that means? What are the things that might be, be coming to mind to you? Maybe how can like a body that's so carnal actually be a revelation of this invisible God? Like how can those two come together? But yet we know that human beings are created in the image and likeness of God, right? Mm-hmm.
2: I was just mm-hmm. going to say,
1: um, God's design for us as he made Adam and Eve. Yeah, the Original. exactly. That's exactly what we're going to talk about. So good You know, prelude into that. So here's the thesis statement. So God created our bodies, male and female, to transfer into the visible world, what is invisible, the spiritual and the divine. It has, again, it's been transferred into the visible reality of the world, the mystery hidden from eternity in God, and thus be a sign of it. So if I ask you, what is that mystery of God? What would you say? God is love. Michael, every time I point to you, you say love. (laughs) This will go much easier. Okay, but it's true, right? God is love. If you had to try and sum up the mystery of God in one word, that's probably the best description, right? Because is our God one or three? Yes. Yes, excellent. Who said yes? Good job. Gold star, front of the class, okay. So yes, our God is one and three, right? There's so many of these paradoxes in our faith. You know, is, is Jesus human or divine? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Is the, is the church like an institution or the body of Christ? Yes. yes you know, there's so many of these. Um, are human beings body or soul? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, we can go on and on with these. But it's, it's so true to, that we need both. We always need both in, in describing this. So... Um, God, who is one and three, right? God is one, but he's a father, son, and Holy Spirit. God is this eternal exchange of love, father, son, and Holy Spirit. And he has destined us to share in that exchange. Like take that in for a moment. Our eternal, all powerful, almighty God has destined us to share in that exchange. There's no better news, right? There's no better news. And that's why we're here, because we know somewhere in our heart that nothing in this world can ever fully satisfy us. We have this longing for the universal, this longing for the eternal. And when we try to like reach out to this world and fulfill that longing, we're always going to be left disappointed. Unfortunately, the world kind of sets us up to think that marriage is going to do that for us, doesn't it? And then we get married and we look at our spouse and we're like, I thought you're going to give me more, you know, or I thought this was going to be better than, you know, I didn't picture you dropping salsa and getting a spoon. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't picture you leaving your underwear on the floor. Whatever, whatever it it, it is. You all have that moment where you wake up and you think to yourself, wait, I picked him. (laughs) Right. Please, yes, no, (laughs) no, is it just me? No. (laughs) But of course, then the next day you're like, I can't believe I picked him, I'm so lucky, how did I get so lucky, right? Marriage is a roller coaster, And the Lord allows these various struggles and challenges into our lives to smooth out our rough edges, right? And to give us opportunities to grow in holiness. So, God is the one that chose to create us this way, to create these human bodies as male and female. And and so, this focus on um, the the body and marriage is what John Paul calls the the spousal analogy or the spousal meaning of the body. And so, keep that in mind as we go forward and move through this theology of the body, because that that kind of theme or idea is going to come up come up throughout our time together. Okay, so. Let's, um, let's just keep moving forward. I'm going to need a volunteer or two so that it's not just me standing up here speaking. But one last last point before we move forward. John Paul II kind of calls this line in Scripture kind of the, the key for interpreting this whole idea of the spousal meaning of the body. So you might recognize this Ephesians chapter 5 Scripture because especially when they read it at, during Sunday Mass, it begins... Wives submit to your husbands. Does that sound familiar? And all the men are like, "Did you hear that, honey? Did you hear that?" And uh, then they stop listening, right? Because <laughs> the scripture goes on to say, what, what does it go, go on to say? Husbands love, love your wives as as Christ. Christ the as Christ loves the church." And then you have to look at this: How did Christ love the church? He died for for us us. us. in a sacrificial way. And so this laying down of your life for the other is exactly what marriage is. This is why I wanted to show this picture of the bride and the groom with the the crucifix right above. I have a Father C. Some of you might know them. And he's like, I'm going to create this wedding card that has like a crucifix on the front of it. And you open it up and says, like, die to self. I'm like, good luck selling, those, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but it's true, right? If we went into it with this mindset, we'd probably be a lot better off. So husbands love your wives like Christ loves the church. St. Paul is setting up this hierarchy that there's something about the man who is called to initiate the gift of sacrifice. And when he does lay down his life for his bride, what is the bride to do? Submit to that. What does that mean?
0: Be open
1: to Let him be open, receive the gift of his sacrifice in our current world. Are we doing that? We're tend to, We tend to be like, no, I got this. No, I don't need your help. No, thank you. I, I'm okay with, you know, I don't need anyone's help. We tend to shut that down. When we shut down his gift of love and his gift of sacrifice, we don't get this eternal exchange of love, right? So submitting to the husband who wants to lay his life down with you. What's not to like, (laughs) right? What's not to like? Okay, so for this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and cling to his wife, and the two of them will become one. And this is a great mystery, and I mean in reference to Christ in the church. So what John Paul is saying is that the fact that we're created male and female, and the male and female are complementary, and the male and female coming together is the very way that life goes on in the world. God did this to show us who he is and who is he? He is a communion of persons, right? He is an eternal exchange of life-giving love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So now the male and female complementarity are the image in the world of who God is. So when we mess with that, we're messing with the very reality of life, right? Where we come from and where we're headed. So it has gonna have grave consequences. Okay, so the Theology of the Body is basically a two-part, generally speaking, kind of a two-part catechesis. The first part of the catechesis explains the question, what does it mean to be human? And the second part is, now that I know who I am, how am I to live? So today we're doing, what does it mean to be human? And next, in two weeks, we're going to do, now, now that I know who I am, how am, how am I to live? And we're going to talk about the vocation of celibacy and marriage and sexual union. Okay? So we're going to move on through... This section, so created in love, by love and for love, right? We're created in love, our Trinity, by love itself. God is love itself. What's the meaning and purpose of our lives right there, right? To learn to love like Christ loves in a sacrificial way. And what's our destiny? Heaven. What's heaven described as? A banquet feast, right? Right heaven is total union with, with love itself. So that's our, our kind of our outline for today. I like to use this little teaching tool. It's kind of just like a little graphic to describe the three part, um, answer to this question of what it means to be human. So, so here we have, again, there's our Trinity. We come from God. And we return to God, exodus and the retitus, the coming forth and from, and the the return. So in the beginning, we have the story of Adam and Eve and their creation. These three points of solitude, union, and nakedness, we're going to go through those. But yet that doesn't last. We have the fall, and now we're fallen. We all know what it feels like to be in a fallen world. And yet we're redeemed by Christ. And what's our destiny? Heaven. Okay, so what we're, now we're ready to dive into it. So, for this next part, I actually do need a volunteer. Yes, Michael, you willing. <laughs> I figured it's easy to call in someone. Yeah, come on up here, right. you can stand right here. So, everyone look up here at Michael's body. <laughs> Wait a second, why are they laughing? I don't know. <laughs> okay, so why are we laughing? it's awkward, right? (laughs) If I would have said, you guys look up here at Michael, would anyone have laughed? No. But when I say, look up here, you're still laughing. (laughs) See, it's a good reason I picked someone I know, right? So they wouldn't get mad at me. So when I say, look at Michael's body, it's awkward because he's not just a body, is he? What is Michael? A human person. And a human person is a unique combination of body and soul, right? So since you have both a body and soul, Michael, tell us something about yourself that we can't know just by looking at you. Mm,
2: I enjoy reading.
1: Who knew, who knew Michael enjoyed reading? Raise your hand. Okay, his wife and his parents. <laughs> Any, give us one more thing.
2: Uh, I like to cross-country ski.
1: Who knew Michael liked to cross-country ski? Raise your hand. Okay. Did you guys know? (laughs) Okay. That's fun. Okay. So how can any one of you know, come to know that Michael likes to read and likes to cross country ski by talking to him? So you come to know him through his body, right? In Genesis, do you know how um, Genesis describes this phenomenon of Michael being both body and soul? Remember in the creation story, what does God do? He takes the, The clay and he breathes, takes the clay and he breathes. So the clay, the stuff, right? And then the breath represents the spirit. So that's how it's represented in the scripture. Okay, so John Paul II is a phenomenologist. Anyone know what a phenomenologist is? Anyone? It basically means that he takes the lived experience of life and pulls truth from it, okay? So it's a way of philosophy and he learned it from like St. Edith Stein and, and she learned it from others. But, um, so he, this is what's his thought that in in our world today, that learning from our experiences will be good for what's happening in our culture. Right? So we're going to keep Michael up here. We're going to do the creation story and we're going to like, let Michael reflect on what it must have been like to be created by God. Does that sound good? Okay. All right. So I need, I need God. Anyone willing? Uh, Sure. Yeah? (laughs) Okay. This is
0: furthest from the truth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so why don't you start right here. We're going to tell us the story. We'll pause and ask Michael what he's experiencing.
0: The Lord God then took
1: the man and settled him in the Garden of Eden. Okay, you're in the garden. To cultivate and care for it. Cultivate and care.
0: (laughs) The Lord God gave man this order. You are free to eat from any of the trees of the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and bad. From that tree you shall not eat. The moment you eat from it, you are surely doomed to die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone.
1: Okay, pass there. Okay, so do you guys remember earlier in Genesis when God's creating? At the end of each day, he says it is good. It is good. It is good. It is good. And finally, on the when he creates humanity, he says that it is very good. There's something different about that, which we're going to talk about. But all of a sudden, something is not good. What's not good? The tree. The tree. Okay. Why not?
2: Because it's, uh, not, God told us not to eat it. Okay,
1: good. So you want to be obedient. You don't want to eat from the tree, right? right? Yeah, yeah. But something else is, it's not good for you to be alone. 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 It's not good for you to be alone. So show us your sad alone face. <laughs> this guy never does not Does he always smile Mary Beth? Yeah. Okay, good. So sat alone face. Okay. So he's, it's not good for him to be alone. Why not? Come on. He he needs a companion. Exactly. He he needs a companion. What is the purpose of his life? To love. Does he have anyone to love? No, he's a lover looking for a lovey. (laughs) 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 Beloved? I don't know. Okay, so that's why it's not good for him to be alone. Because he can't fulfill the very meaning and purpose of his life. So, what does God do? Go ahead.
0: I will make a suitable partner for him. So the Lord God formed out of the ground various wild birds and various birds of the air, and he brought them to, to, to man to see what he could call them.
1: Okay, pause. So why did God do that? Isn't it funny to think about these questions? You guys know these answers, right? Come on. You don't want to just hear my voice all the time. Why would God make the animals? Does he think Michael's going to go, I'll take the penguin? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny to think about this thing? Why did he do it this way?
2: To see what was compatible?
1: Yeah, he probably wants him to figure out none of these animals are gonna work for me, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so k- keep reading.
0: Whatever the man called each of them would be his name.
1: Okay, so he names them.
0: The man gave names to all the cattle, all the birds of the air, and all the wild animals, but none proved to be a suitable partner for the man.
1: Okay. So good, good decision making. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he chooses that none of them are suitable partner. Why not?
2: They're not human. They're not what I am.
1: Good. And they lack two things. Do you know what they are? I'm putting, totally putting you on the spot. <laughs> I don't know. Do you know? <laughs> Anyone help him? What do they lack? Animals can't do two things that humans can Love. 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 Yeah. But they need to intellect. Will that's it. They they can't think and choose, right? They, they're they just act based on their instincts, okay? Like, for instance, if Michael wants to have um, some juicy steaks on a Friday night and he invites all of us over, sound good? Great. Okay. Mm-hmm. He invites all of us over for juicy steaks. He cooks them on the grill, goes up to change his shirt, leaves the back door open. The neighbor's dog comes running in, jumps on the counter, eats all of our steaks. Whose fault is it? Michael's cause he left the door open. Right. The, the, the animal doesn't know Michael's having a party and and that food was for us. So it's Michael's responsibility, right? On the other hand, if Mary Beth's brothers, Simon and Andy and his friends come over, know Mary Beth and Michael having a party, go in the kitchen and eat our steaks. Anyways, (laughs) whose fault is it now? it's their fault right because human beings have intellect they have the ability to think and choose and therefore this is why Michael did not choose to marry the penguin right okay so go ahead
0: so the Lord God cast a deep sleep on a man and while he was asleep he took out one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh the Lord God yes. then he did, he did. built up into a, a woman the rib that he had <laughs>
1: taken from a man. Okay, so, keep your eyes closed.
0: When so he brought it to the man, the man said,
1: "Okay, pause." So he forms out of the rib. Why the rib? <laughs> I'm gonna let him read this line. Why the rib? Go ahead. Yeah, maybe. We can guess. We can think about why. I, uh, it's some say that it's. Go ahead. Okay, if they take from from the man, some say it's in the mid part of the body, so it's not above or below the head or the heel or anything. So it shows equality and they come from like the same stuff, you know? So there's lots of things to wonder and think about there. So here's your line, you're going to wake up and you're going to say this line. <gasps>
2: you are not a penguin. <laughs>
1: love it.
2: <laughs> this one, this one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman for out of her man this one
1: has been taken. Yay! Cheer! Okay, you guys can sit down. <laughs> okay, beautiful. So this one at last, you can see the excitement and hear the excitement in his voice. This one at last, he's probably even in that moment thinking of all the reasons that he loves her and he chose her. So, As he sees her, he notices two things in particular about her. And don't be like my eighth graders and say her boobies. (laughs) What does he notice about her? That she's what and what? She's another human. She's another human. Excellent. But she's different. She has boobies, okay? Okay. She's different. She's the same and she's different right? And this is the beauty of the complementarity of, of male and female. So um, the next line in Genesis, and this is why a man leaves his mother and father and clings to his wife, and the two of them become one. So that Ephesians quote that I showed you earlier, it was quoting Genesis. Yeah, it was St. is quoting Genesis. Okay, and the two of them become one. What is that one? What is it? What? Unity. Unity, what though? In what? Body and soul. Yeah, it's, Love, someone say it. do Not quite, <laughs> come on. Sex. sex. <laughs> you guys are worse than the eighth graders. <laughs> You're afraid to say sex. Okay, <laughs> sex. <Yes. laughs> okay, so it's, it's union, right? It's, it's communion. When you said your marriage vows, we'll talk about this in two weeks. When you said your marriage vows, were you fully indissolubly married? No. What'd you have to do, TJ? Conjugate. Conjugate. See, he doesn't even like to say sex either. <laughs> 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 they had to come. Right. It's funny. When I teach the eighth graders, I'm like, okay, what do they have to do? And they're like, they have to kiss. I'm like, yeah. And then what? They're like, they have to get that certificate. I'm like, yeah. And then, then what? And then they have to go in their honeymoon. I'm like, and then what? You know, what are they going to do there? Um, because you guys, this is, it's vital, isn't it? It's vital that this is part of it. And this is the beauty and the consistency of our, of our church and holding up this belief that, that marriage is this complementary union of man and woman. Okay, so, and the man and his wife were both what? The next line in Genesis says, the man and his wife were both naked, naked and felt no shame. shame. I let Mary Beth and Michael sit down for this part because it gets super awkward when they're <laughs> up there and I'm like, so what does it feel like to be, so what does it feel like Mary Beth to be naked without shame? <laughs> you told me you got put on the spot at another talk, so. Oh yeah, we were talking about, like if he, if he walked in and I was in the shower, I wouldn't exactly (laughs) good 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 so naked without shame it means that you're just totally and completely in love right it means you're just totally in love and i when i when i teach i usually will say to the the kids like imagine you're at the gym you're working out you open up the door you didn't know the plumber was going to be there there's the plumber standing there what do you do you scream and turn and hide right why why who said that yeah why are you ashamed Cause, cause plumbers are bad. <laughs> no, I love plumbers. Why, why are you ashamed? I don't. Isn't this so fun to think about? Because we we know these things, but we don't really. Cause he's a stranger, right? Cause he's a stranger, and you're afraid he's going to say, "You better get back on the treadmill." No. <laughs> No, we, we turn because we're afraid that he's going to look at us like an object, right? We don't want him to look at us and critique us or objectify us or not see us for the fullness of who we are. When Mary Beth, okay, this is awkward, but when Mary Beth, her parents right there, but when Mary Beth opens in the shower and she sees Michael, she doesn't scream and run and hide and turn, right? Because she loves him and she trusts him. When I open up the shower door and my husband's standing there, he doesn't see just an object. He sees his wife. Right? He sees a woman that brought six babies into the world. He sees uh, the hands that make dinner, that fold clothes, right? hes I don't look the same as I did 24 years ago, and it's okay with him. Because he loves all of me. It's this whole encompassing love that is a description of what n- naked without shame might be like. So in marriage, we have a little glimpse of this beginning of what God intended Right? Does it last? <laughs> Does it last um, in the story in Genesis? No. What happens? Yeah, the snake slithers in. Oh wait, I forgot it. I have one more slide to show you before we go into that. So, so I just got to go to Italy. So you guys know where is this? Where is this painting? Sistine Chapel, Sistine Chapel. and it's so beautiful because. Uh, Well, here's, they're not quite touching, but this is the moment of creation. And who's this? Eve. So God is like holding Eve, and he's preparing to what? Give her as a gift. Do you remember this moment? Was this, was there a moment at your wedding like this? Where, you know, dad or someone gave away and, and if husbands can look at this moment as a moment of entrustment, how different it would it would change the whole scope of how we see marriage. Too often um, we look at it as like an expectation of, you know, you need to live up to these ideals or you need to provide this for me or do this for me. But yet if we look at each other as I've been given this gift, John Paul the theme of gift and giving and givenness because it's it's just rooted in our who our God is, giving and receiving of love. This moment, the tenderness of that hug and that moment of entrusting his daughter to this man and also entrusting this man to, her da- to the daughter, it goes both ways. Such a tender moment. Okay, but the snake slithers in and wrecks everything, right? So... I'm looking at the time. I have till I have twenty minutes. Where's Colleen? How are we doing?
0: Yeah, I mean maybe
1: like
0: quarter zone finish
1: okay. Before Okay. Okay, we're gonna zip along. Okay, so. Do you mind? I don't mind. Okay. Here we go. Go ahead and start right okay, here. Yep. Nice and loud.
0: Now the serpent was the most cunning of all animals that the Lord God had made. The serpent asked the woman, did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? The woman answered the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It is only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, you shall not eat it or even touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. No, God knows well that the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. God knows what is good and what is bad. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes and desirable for for gaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened And they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. When they heard the sound of the Lord God moving about in the garden at the breezy time of the day, the man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God then called to the man and asked him, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid myself. Then he asked, Who told you that you were naked? You have eaten then from the tree of which I had forbidden you to eat. The man replied, The woman whom you put here with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, so I ate it. The Lord God then asked the woman, Why did you do such a thing? The woman answered, The serpent tricked me into it, so I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent,
1: Let's actually pause there. So, um, thank you so much. A lot just happened, right? So, whose fault was it? (laughs) (laughs) It was both. John Paul II clearly says that original sin was the sin of the couple. And he says that original sin was an attempt to abolish fatherhood. So again, as Michael pointed out at the beginning, What's not good? It's not good to disobey God, right? And if you trust God as a loving father who has your best interests in mind, would you disobey? No. So the serpent tricks them. The serpent tricks them into thinking that God's holding out on them, that God's trying to keep them from something that they desire. And so they fall into that trap and then they go and they disobey, thinking that this is not coming my way. I need to go after this and grasp at it. I don't know about you, but when I first started studying this, I thought, oh, come on, seriously, what does a snake and a a tree and fruit in a garden have anything to do with my life today? And then as I studied it more and more, I'm like, it has everything to do with my life every day. Because pretty much every day, I'm tempted to think I know better than God. Anyone else? Yeah. I try to negotiate with him. God, just do this, please. Come on. You know, I need this. I want this. I know this is best. And I'm still having a difficult time in many situations allowing God to take over my life and surrendering to him, knowing that he knows what's better for me. So what is this tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What does it represent? That God is God and we are not God, right? (laughs) That God is God. God is the source of the knowledge of what is good and what is evil, and we have to just discover that and enter into it. It's kind of like me with my list, you know? If I take the Catholic Church and I say, okay, I believe the Catholic Church except for these 10 things, essentially what I've done is I've created the Church of Jen, <laughs> right? I've created the Church of Jen. So basically as I went on that journey and started to say, wait, maybe the Church knows more than me. Um, and then I was humble enough, thank God, to to then Listen to the church. And then I fell in love with our church. Our church is an expert in humanity. Our church knows what's best for us. And when we're willing to be humble enough to surrender to that, our life will start to flourish and goodness will come. Okay. So it was the sin of the couple, right? So she took some and she ate and she shared some with her husband who was right there. And then when God shows up, so then what do they do first? their eyes are open and they realize they are naked. naked. And then what do they do? They hide. When you're hiding from God, that's a pretty good indication that something's off, right? Not a good idea, not a good idea. But how many of us, when we get caught, what's our first reaction? We wanna hide. We wanna pretend like justify what we did. We don't wanna face what we did. You know, how hard is it to actually go Um, face what we've done wrong and ask for forgiveness it's so hard to to ask forgiveness give forgiveness all of those things we need the grace of of God's uh, in our heart to to even go through any situation like that so they're hiding and then what does God do where are you (laughs) does he know where they are (laughs) <laughs> Probably, yeah. But it's so beautiful in the, in the... Think about he comes and seeks them, right? He comes and seeks them, and he actually helps them, you know, clothe themselves because they are not naked without shame anymore. And when they give their explanation of what happened, what does the guy first... He responds first. What does he say? <laughs> she did it. <laughs> he right away throws her under the bus. He blames her. <laughs> what happened to... This at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. That woman that you put here with me, does that sound familiar to anyone? Okay. And then what does she do? She blames the serpent. Okay. So they blame, blame, blame. Oh gosh. Okay. So there's so much, actually, I'm just like skimming the surface of all that we can learn from this. But a lot of great authors have like pointed out the fact that first, like the fact that the serpent, um, It goes to the woman. The woman is the very one that brings life into the world. He attacks there. He should have been protecting her. So first there's this breakup of the family. Then there's the little twisting of truth. Then there's the blame. And it goes on and on. And you can see in this example, in this ancient example, you can see a pattern of sin that is probably, well, is occurring in all of our lives all the time. So, the beauty of this story, though, is that we're not left in our sinfulness, right? Christ came to save us. He came to set us free from all of our our sin and everything wrong in our lives. He gives us um, the guidance of the church. He gives us the Ten Commandments. He gives us um, just all of our moral teachings so that we can know what really truly will make us happy. So. John Paul II, in this, he, he talks, he uses the scripture to analyze this, this phase called the historical man. You'll see it on your handout right there. The scripture that he uses is, um, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, so Christ isn't just trying to get us to follow rules, is he? He wants us to have so much of a transformation of our heart that following the rules just becomes easy because we don't don't want anything else. So just like, for example, Cheryl and Mark, because you're so sweet with your arm around her like that. (laughs) So sweet. Cheryl, they're newlyweds. (laughs) This is going to be a very uncomfortable question. Do you have any desire in your heart to murder your husband, Mark? <laughs> not today, Mark. <laughs> not today. Any desire? Do you do you sometimes notice that Cheryl has to hide valuable things from you for fear that you will steal them from her? Not occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> okay, so clearly these commandments—thou shall not murder, thou shall not steal—are not difficult for Cheryl and Mike to live out in their marriage. Why not? I love. Well, Exactly, exactly. Total love, total trust, nothing to to keep you from that for each other. Now, imagine what makes the commandments hard when we don't love each other like we should. Imagine if everybody in the world had the same at least affection for each other as Cheryl and Mark had for each other. Would, Would the commandments be hard to live out? They wouldn't. They wouldn't. So it's this transformation of heart. This being able to be vulnerable enough to share our own brokenness, to love each other through our brokenness so that we can be so much in love that, um, that we can live like God wants us to live. Right. So, like, I mean, you joked about like not today, but there are some days where you're not comfortable with his arm around your your shoulder. Are you? (laughs) Um. Actually, we've only been married a year or so. Oh, oh! Them. So they really, truly are. No, I thought you were joking. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Okay, so they're not there yet. No, sorry. Okay, has there ever has there ever been a moment when you're like, I can't do the arm around you right now. I need a moment. It happens. Yeah. It happens. Okay, but you get through it you get through it and then you figure out how to apologize and you figure out how to apologize. And this ability to apologize is the outpouring of God's grace in our hearts. Right. And it's possible. It's possible. In fact, um, thinking that redemption is not possible is why we have so much fallenness, unhealed issues in our world. Right. Right. We, we give up on certain things. Um, when I was thinking about this idea of brokenness and fallenness, I was reminded of this story. If I say to you guys, um, the, what was it? The NCAA tournament in 2013 in the name Luke Hancock and Kevin Ware. Anyone remember this happening? The basketball game, 2013. It's in the, one of the final games and uh, the young man uh, broke his leg during the game. Do you remember this? Broke his leg during the game. It was horrific. And when it happened, you, they showed the picture and everybody in the stands, everybody went like this. Remember? So major brokenness, Everybody, I mean literally, and everybody turned away. One player, after he went like this, he went and he ran to him. He ran to him and he knelt down next to him and started praying and told him it was going to be okay. I remember when I saw that it like took my breath away and I thought, who has courage to run into brokenness and to be there for somebody else? I have just a picture of the moment. I brought a little um, quote from what he said. He went over to his teammate, he knelt down, he patted his chest and he told him it was gonna be okay. And he quietly prayed for him. Kevin later said that before Luke got there, he was scared. And when Luke was there, he knew he was going to be fine. This is what communion does. Communion, love, tenderness, touch, it lets us know it's gonna be okay, right? This is what we need to to be for each other, even in our marriages and all of our relationships. And, um, Kevin said that what motivated, I'm sorry, Luke said what motivated him to go over to Kevin was the year before he had a horrific shoulder injury during a pickup game and all of his friends couldn't go with him except for one friend went with them and took him to the emergency room. And he said, I want to be for Kevin what that friend was for me. When I saw this, I'm like, I said to myself, I want to be more like Luke Hancock. And I also want to have the confidence to know that whatever brokenness, whatever difficulties come, that it's, it's possible to overcome them. You might have something major going on in, in your marriage, in a relationship, in your life or something, and things can get overwhelming. I remember one other story came to mind for me. A couple of years ago, my friend Laura had just adopted a one-year-old girl, and this little girl had had a very difficult first year of life. She, um, The mother was in prison, she was in and out of different foster homes, and my friend Laura and her, her family, they had two other kids, they were really having trouble bonding with this young girl. And they went to a doctor and the doctor said, you know what, based on this little girl's first year of life, um things are basically hopeless she's not gonna acclimate into your family and my friend laura came over my house and we stood in my driveway and we cried and we talked about what the doctor said and um as she was leaving i just had this quick thought uh no i know what happened as she was leaving my phone rang it was my friend father ryan mann who you guys know and And I was like, Oh, I can't go. I need, I need to call you back. And as I was hanging up with him, I said to myself, I don't know, I just have this feeling like father Ryan can help Laura. I'm not sure how, well about an hour later, I never even had to reach out to father Ryan because he already had written an email to Laura. And this is what the the email said. He said, Jen told me about your situation and I can't imagine more sorrowful news than finding out that your daughter seems determined to a life of difficulty and pain. I want to say one thing very simply, do not be afraid. Your daughter is not damaged goods, nor do I believe for a moment that the situation in her past has already determined her future or your family's future. This is a time to act like the saints. This is a time to fall on your knees and ask for help and begin to love in more sacrificial ways. It's true that she will need more love and attention than your other kids. But imagine the saintly story of how God's love reached her through you and your husband and your other kids. Doctors views tend to be more narrow but faith broadens our perspective. It allows our limited human abilities um, to give to God so he can work with them and bring greatness from it. This is going to be a big task. It's going to be filled with numerous times of sorrow and temptation to despair and take the easy way out. But if you're up to it, you may be the only place this girl can go to find a chance at life, love and beauty. Do not be afraid. Christ is risen from the dead beautiful. And I'll tell you, this family's doing fine. They're doing fine. They're a beautiful family and they're doing well. Let's take a moment to pray. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, I ask you to come into our hearts right now. Show us wherever it is in our life that we've given up hope. Is there a relationship? Is there a bad habit? Is there a sin? Is there an issue with going on in in anyone's life, in our friends, in our family, gosh, in the world. Is there something that we've given up on where we don't believe that your redemption can get to it? Show us that Lord, show us what it is. And Lord, I just beg of you to, Fill us with hope. Fill us with faith and trust that there is nothing that you can't redeem. You took the worst event in human history, the creatures killing their creator. You brought the best thing out of it, which is life overcoming death. Allow that to be true in every single one of our lives. Fill us with hope, Lord. And let's pray together, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. Okay, last, last point. Where are we headed? Heaven, right? A resurrection of our bodies. Everything fallen will eventually be fully redeemed forever and ever with God and with each other. Everything you long for will be fulfilled. Everything broken will be perfected. This is what we hope for, right? This is what heaven will look like. Have you thought of what, what do you imagine when you think of heaven? You smiled. Do you have something in mind? I
0: just
1: always think of like reunion of the- Yeah, well, me too. Anything else? Peace, no, broken. no, brokenness. no brokenness, everything healed. Beauty Pardon, beauty, beauty, yeah. I picture like getting to hear everyone's story. Mm. Like I know you too, so I know your story of your meeting and your, you know, But I'm like, I'm like, tell me your story. Like, how did you guys meet? How did you fall in love? Tell the story of your life. Like think of every, like getting a chance to hear every love story. How cool would that be? That's a fun way to spend time, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to hear every story of redemption. One time when I taught eighth graders, uh, a girl whose dad is in prison, she came up to me after the talk and said, is my dad going to be okay in heaven? How's this going to work out? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> God willing. Yes. Right. Right. So I know one of the things for me, I think about, um, uh, I love this quote. We are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures, we're the sum of the Father's love for us. So don't dwell on your weaknesses, don't dwell on your failures, dwell on how much God loves you and wants goodness to come in your life even think of like people that have real challenging things going on. Like I look at my nephew who has special needs. We share a birthday Our birthday is coming up next week and he's nonverbal. I think about heaven. I think about being able to talk to him and and see him in his glory without any hindrances. Remember we, we know the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will walk, right? This is what heaven will be like. Everything restored. So, We will experience a resurrection of our bodies. This is a teaching that we we don't like to talk much about. We're we're more like, oh no, I'll become like a spirit. I'll be, I'll shed my body. What will our resurrected bodies look like? Anyone have any thoughts? Naked? Naked? (laughs) All healed, right? Does he? I wonder how much I weighed at 33. (laughs) I was probably pregnant. (laughs) I think we're all going to be stunningly gorgeous.
0: Yeah, glorious.
1: Glorious. We have a little glimpse of it in the scriptures, right? We see that the the risen Christ, He walked through walls. Pretty cool, right? He um, ate on the beach. Remember the fish. Um, he wasn't readily recognized, but then when the spoken word, they heard him, right? So so these are some glimpses in scriptures. Um, and then, of course, we know we see it in, in our, our belief about our mother of God who ascend, um, as, assumed, in the assumption. Thank you. Um, so this is what we have. These a little evidence what we have to look forward to. Okay, so this is a conclusion of the first part of theology of the body. Remember the original story. We saw Michael experience the original story. Um, That was the beginning. John John Paul takes us there when he's talking about divorce and he refers back to the beginning. There wasn't divorce. It wasn't the original plan. It was naked without shame, total love. Then we're fallen, but we're redeemed in Christ. Right. And this is our everyday life. Fallen yet redeemed. Fallen yet redeemed. Go back to confession. Sin again. Anyone have to go? Anyone ever have to go to confession for the same sin more than once? Okay. So it's a continual fallen, redeemed, fallen, redeemed. And we're headed for heaven. Right. We're headed for heaven where we're taken back up into the glory of our Holy Trinity with God and each other forever and ever. Amen. 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 Sound good? Any questions? We good? I know it's right at 1145, so I don't want to. Okay. So can I, you guys are going to come back in two weeks? Okay, good. And so next time we're going to talk about celibacy, marriage, and sexual, sexual union. If you have any questions in those areas, please bring them. Okay, let's just close with a Hail Mary. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. See you guys in two weeks.